Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. With Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGM Radio, episode number 378. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from BrillyVoice.com. With me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. Got a lot to get to in our Eagles Buccaneers playoff preview. We were actually set to record this a little earlier this morning and then. Boom! AJ Brown news comes out that he is not going to play in this game. Uh, so this is sort of like an emergency pod, I guess, in that we're recording it right after we, that news came down, even though we had already planned on doing an episode this time anyway. Whatever. Uh, that's bad news for the Philadelphia Eagles, who limp into this playoff matchup, having lost five of their last six games. Of course, losing their last two to the horrid Arizona Cardinals and New York Giants. A lot to get to, of course. Uh, but before we do, Wrong Crowd Beer is where you can find the finest beers in the land. You can go there in Westchester, PA, to their brewery. Awesome place to go. Lots of TVs, good food, really good beer. Uh, definitely a good time to to just drop in and, and have some food and beers. Also, you can order from them online at wrongcrowdbeer.com or wherever you go buy your beers. They don't have Wrong Crowd Beer wherever you go buy your alcohol say yo goober where's the wrong crowd beer get it in here and i'll come back every day and buy beer and drink a lot because i love my wrong crowd beer that much and then they'll get it in there and then you can have it um sure i guess that'll work uh brandon what's your favorite wrong well, crowd by beer? a lot you mean like you know in a responsible fashion a lot over a you know period of time uh, obviously everyone knows i like the first anniversary ale their strawberry milkshake ipa just had another one of those uh the other night very fantastic i would also recommend that people give wrong crowd beer a follow on instagram because they'll be posting you know different specials i know they have like a wednesday like pizza night special and different things at the uh, the actual tap room there so yeah give them a follow check them out i highly doubt you will be uh you will not regret it is my point you will not regret trying out wrong crowd beer jimmy eagles playoff game yes here they are everyone's fired up everyone's excited the hype video comes out did you see did you see the hype video they released i didn't watch it nope i did not the hype video they put out is to their credit i guess self-aware at some level it wasn't like you know, let's go, you know, get all fired up. It was, it's like Jason. Uh, no, Brian Dawkins was absent from, from, from this. It was Jason Kelsey. And it was like an acknowledgement of how bad the team has been for a bit here, but they still want to win. So, and the, that's pretty funny. I'd, I'd heard kind of what it, what it was about, but I hadn't watched it yet, but that's funny that they are self-aware about, you know, what, where the direction this season has suddenly headed. Hard not to be. It is. A really weird situation because typically playoffs are here exciting 
you know, looking forward to the game. Here it's a little different, at least in some corners of the world, where they're one and five going into this game, and uh, they're banged up after losing players, including AJ Brown, uh, in a game where they didn't have anything to gain ultimately. So, uh, tough situation. We didn't know that before the so I know that's going to be a huge criticism of Nick Sirianni. And let's start there actually okay. with this injury. I think that's a good. I think that's a good place to start. I think it's going to be a huge criticism of Nick Sirianni and the and the Eagles front office and whoever was involved in the decision to play starters against the Giants. Of course, if we go in the wayback machine to before the Week 18 game, uh, as you already probably remember. Uh, the Eagles could have won the NFC East with a win over the Giants and a Cowboys loss in Washington to the Commanders. Uh, that was unlikely, of course. The Cowboys were, what, 13-point favorites, I think, in that game uh, against Washington. And actually, Washington gave a game for a little bit, like into the second quarter. They had a lead, and then eventually Dallas blew them out. Um, I kind of felt like it was a no-brainer to play starters from the Eagles' perspective because it's certainly possible that Dallas could have lost that game. And then if you win your game, then you become the two seed. And I think the difference between the two seed and the five seed is actually pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to go to the Super Bowl. This team isn't going to go to the Super Bowl pretty clearly as the five seed. I think if they were the two seed, then, you know, there's at least a, a puncher's chance for them to have gotten there. So I don't have a problem with them playing starters in that game. Now, of course, that stadium happens to have a hard, just a hard turf that, guys tend to get injured on more frequently than other places around the league. And they lose their best skill player in AJ Brown in that game. Got hurt. What the first quarter, I think of that game um, didn't return. And now he's not going to play against the bucks in this, in this first you know playoff game here. So the Eagles are going to get a lot of heat for that, but I almost kind of feel like that that'll be a little bit unfair to them. What I don't like about what they did in that game is they kind of went half right. measure. So they didn't just go all out to try to win that game. Like Fletcher Cox rested in that game. He didn't really have an injury. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, he's like his body's taking a toll over the season and he could use the rest as an older player. But if that were like a really, like if, if like the Eagles were, you know, definitely like win and you win the division, he'd have played in that game. Like there's a little yeah, doubt about that in my mind. he wasn't on the report and he um, was inactive. And then like once they got behind a little bit, then boom, they were really quick to pull the important players out at that point. So they, it was kind of like a half measure, uh, you know, playing starters and that I can't get on board with you. They're going to do it or you're not like, don't go half-assed about it. So, you know, well, ultimately this team loves a half measure. Unfortunately, <laughs> they, they lose that game and they go into the playoffs with even worse momentum than they had previously. And uh, of course, as we mentioned, Dallas already had won anyway, so it, it didn't matter. Um, but yeah, now this, you know, heading into this Tampa game, A.J. Brown out, mm. and now you're starting. Devontae Smith, of course, missed the Giants game. He's expected to play against the Bucks, And then you just have a mishmash of receivers in Julio Jones, Alameda Zacchaeus, Quez Watkins, and Britton Covey. We're going to have to film. Dallas Goddard's going to have a bigger role in this game, of course, uh, from the tight end position. But, man, to go into this game without A.J. Brown, who was your offense, basically, for the first half of the season when you were rolling – not great. And that was the first game in week three post Viking sideline blow up where AJ Brown started that run of the like consecutive like 125 yard games. And against mm-hmm. the Bucks, he had what like 14 targets, nine receptions, 131. I mean, he had 
of the Eagles total receiving in that game alone, just him. The next mm-hmm. closest receiver was Alameda Zacchaeus, who had those two big uh, catches, or the one big catch. He had 68 yards, I believe. So like a big drop-off after him. Um, Devontae Smith has been practicing, like you said, full this week. So that's good news. But, you know. He looked good, by the way. I was, I was watching him do drills. He had okay. an ankle injury. Didn't have a wrap on it or anything. He looked like normal Devontae. So he's, you know. That's good news. Uh, DeAndre Swift will obviously play after he did not play in Week 18. Darius Slay will also be back after missing four games. Jalen Hurts was full participation on Friday after being limited, listed as limited on uh, Thursday there. So it looks like, you know, he's going to play. But also I still wonder how, you know, a quarterback's uh, throwing hand injury is going to impact his you know, accuracy or even his ball security, which has already been an issue this season. But, you know, God forbid he's taking off running or he's in the pocket and he might not be able to hold on to it the same way. Uh, if he has a hand that is certainly hurting and doesn't have the same amount of strength it normally does. So uh, that's significant. And yeah, hey, Jalen Hurts, not only are you playing through this game with that injury, but you're also going to do it without your top receiver. It's just not, not really like an ideal kind of circumstance um aj brown uh we mentioned is out but also as of recording this on saturday morning reed blankenship has not practiced this week yet that doesn't seem like a good sign and sydney brown's out for the year already with an acl so they just have one healthy safety currently in kevin byard which yeah on their 53 53, on their active roster it sounds like avante maddox could potentially start safety next to him and the practice squad options there would be Tristan McCollum, who has been uh, up the past two weeks and would also be, or not past, yeah, past two? No, not past two, past game. And then uh, Makai Gardner, who the Eagles have used as like an emergency yeah. safety. Um, and then Brit- your boy Britton Covey, who got snubbed, I think, Jimmy. Didn't make all pro, didn't make pro ball. He has been limited in practice. Yeah, getting back to Jalen Hurts there for a minute. In practice, uh, actually went to practice on Thursday and Friday. I think they're practicing soon here. I'm not going to make it today on Saturday. Um, but I, anyway, uh, on Thursday, Hurts did not throw at all during the media attended portion of practice. Normally he would, um, but he did not. Th- Friday, he did throw. And the little insight I have on that is, you know, one of the camera guys um friendly with, had the, like they were on the far field, so like they purposely were not practicing on the field close to us. Like <laughs> they, they didn't want us to see what was happening on that field. But one of the camera guys I'm friendly with, you know, got, had the had the full zoom going mm-hmm. in, uh, had the full zoom going with his with his uh, you know video camera, and he said that he looked fine. I, I could kind of see him mm-hmm. throwing. He looked fine throwing. I don't think there was any you know any issues with him you know spinning the ball, uh, accuracy or I couldn't you know, can't really tell accuracy, but it's you know his power throwing the the football looked fine to me um again from pretty far distance away so like can't really tell that well but when he was catching the ball when he was receiving it back he was very gingerly catching it you know like he was catching it normally with his left hand but his right hand kind of like was making sure that it didn't hit his Mm -hmm. finger when he was bringing it back in so um he's hurting and he's being careful not to have you know, as he's trying to have as little contact with that finger as mm-hmm. he can, uh, aside from when he throws. So yeah, he's not going to be 100 percent in this game. And we'll see how it affects his throwing and his accuracy uh, when it really matters. But, yeah, not a great sign heading into this game. Baker Mayfield's hurt, too. 
He's got uh, what a, a ribs and uh, an ankle injury, and he didn't practice on Thursday. He was limited on Friday. He didn't look good in the in their Week yes. 18 game against the Panthers, and the week before that, I think it was Tyran Matthew who hit him. I mean, he got lit up in the ribs. Like he took a hard shot that looked like it hurt a lot. So he won't be 100% either. It's going to be two kind of like, um, you know, hampered quarterbacks in this game. Different injuries, of course. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see which one looks better uh, than the other. But, you know, without A.J. Brown, man, like it's – we saw what the offense looked mm-hmm. like when he went out against the Giants. And, they, you know, obviously the, the difference here is they'll still have Devontae Smith in this game, but – not, I mean, an offense that already is struggling in so many different ways, namely like handling the blitz, not great. On Baker, yeah, definitely did not look good. Definitely looked hampered by injury. Not that, you know, Baker looks amazing, awesome, flawless when he's healthy, but certainly did not look even uh, like he might normally look when he's healthy. Also is following the same path, it seems to be. Like leading up to week 18, he went from did not practice limited to full over the course of the three days over the week. Mm-hmm. So um, I just saw people kind of like be like, oh, he's not practicing this week. And like, I think it's just the same path. I think they're just kind of taking it. He's expected yeah. to go. Yeah, I don't think he's, there's any right. danger of him exactly. not playing. So uh, and even if he didn't, I mean, Kyle Trask against this defense right now, I'm sure could have some success. Uh, and right. in any case, yeah, uh, definitely not a lot of juice. And that was actually like before the season began, that was like a legit quarterback yep. battle in training camp in Tampa. Like there was Kyle Trask got a chance to win that job and Bayfield Mayfield ultimately like pretty easily won as far as I understand. I'm a bigger Baker but guy wow. than most, I think. Like I think he's actually had a pretty good year and he's had like, you know, some games here and there where he was mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> and like obviously the receivers are are really good. In Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin, and then if you want to throw in you know Rashad White, who is a big part of their passing game as well, like it's a it's a formidable passing offense that Tampa has. They can't run the ball worth worth, well. worth a squat, but they but they can move the ball through the air. And as we've seen, the Eagles' defense has just been a total disorganized mess. I mean, they weren't great when it was still Sean Desai as the defensive coordinator, but ever since Matt Patricia took over, guys don't know what they're doing. They don't know their assignments. They don't know who they're covering. And, like, when when the Giants are just doing whatever they want to you, possession after possession, the Arizona Cardinals are just running it down your throat. Not You know, I mean, come on, what are we doing here this late in the season when you should be playing your best ball and the Eagles are, you know, very clearly playing their worst ball, not just this season, but in a long time. And it's not looking great. You mentioned the safeties, mm. like Avante Maddox. I don't think he's played well at all in the slot since his return to the lineup. And he's probably still hurting and it's probably, you know, it, all injury related. But if he's playing safety, that's not mm. great. I think Bradley Roby has been decidedly bad in the slot. So if he's now your slot, your starting slot and, and Avante's in the, like they, they've not done a good job tackling this team. Roby's been awful as a tackler. Maddox has not been good as a tackler, you know, since his return. And I mean, they have guys that can bully ball you in the passing game in Mike Evans and in Chris Godwin's a bully. Rashad White can make guys miss in the open field. I don't like the way that this game is shaping up, both offensively with missing A.J. Brown and defensively possibly being without Reed Blankenship. Not that Reed Blankenship, I mean, you and I like him as a player, but I think he's kind of fallen off as the season has progressed here. And, you know, but with him out 
and you have Avante Maddox playing safety, maybe Tristan McCollum, maybe Makai Gardner filling in here and there. Not looking good for the back end of the secondary against again a, a, a Tampa offense that that you know can that can be um, they they can they you know they can hurt you in the passing game. Bucks pretty healthy otherwise. Uh, have some of the guys who were eliminated mm-hmm. on their report, but nothing too you know major. And even on injured reserve, they're pretty healthy. You know Ryan, you know Ryan Jensen, but that's been like all year. They're not missing someone like you know who has been a key contributor for them this year as much as they've mostly kind of just. They have their guys, so they're a pretty healthy team. But so are the Eagles for other than you know AJ Brown. But I mean, like sure. bigger, like they, they, there's more injured teams than the Eagles out there. Is my point. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy, and actually dive deep into the matchup itself? We will be back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company is also brought to you by Righteous Felon Crafter. You go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Underrated matchup going into this game against the Buccaneers. Will the Eagles actually consume enough Righteous Felon Craft Jerky to be fueled up <laughs> unlike they did not during this six-game stretch where they only one in five? So... Uh, big thing to follow along with. If the Eagles win, safe to say they were having their right to sell and craft jerky. And if they lose, well, safe to say the opposite. So go to righttosellin.com. Use discount code BGN15, again, for 15% off your order. That discount code doesn't expire. So you can kind of just use that over and over if you're really liking right to sell and craft jerky, which I'm pretty confident you will because we hear from a lot of listeners who do indeed love right to sell and craft jerky. Okay, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I did an article this week where I kind of looked at what's different for the Eagles and the Bucks from the last time they played back in week three, which feels like a long time ago, okay. doesn't it? It feels like an eternity ago in some ways. Uh, I think the overall trend of these teams is obviously different. The both teams are two and zero in their last matchup, but the Bucks are one or sorry, the Bucks are five and one in their last six. The Eagles are one and five in their last six. The point differential for the Eagles in that stretch is minus 59. The Bucks are plus 38. Um, I'm just going to run through some of these. Jalen Hurts was healthier than he is now, but he was dealing with that. His first of two flu games this year or flu like symptoms seem to be worse off, obviously in that Seahawks game, but I thought that was worth noting. I think one of the biggest things, other than the obvious Patricia change, you just kind of talked about it in the first segment. Early in the season, at that point, and I know the Bucks team hasn't been running game hasn't been you know amazing this year, but it was like a really, really, really bad early on the season. It was looking like just not even worth their time at all. Um, and the Eagles were able, conversely, to run on the Bucks. They had two hundred and one 
rushing yards against the Buccaneers. That's the most the Bucks defense has allowed. Um, it's the Eagles' second best rushing performance this year. The Bucks, though, that was the game. Just to just to jump in here real quick, that was the game where like the Bucks finally scored a touchdown in the fourth yeah. quarter, and then the Eagles burned off the last nine plus minutes yep. of that game. Um, there were some passes in there, but m- m- mostly mm-hmm. through the run game, and they just dominated them to the point where Todd Bowles didn't even bother calling his timeouts at the end of that game. He just let the clock run out after the Eagles had driven, you know, basically the whole field and uh, took nine minutes off the clock. Just all right, I guess we're, I guess we lost. Then didn't even bother calling his timeouts. They were so defeated. Um, and then defensively, I thought that was probably their best game of the season. Uh, the Eagles. Uh, week back, yeah. way back in week three, I watched. You know, I, I watched bits and pieces of that game this week, and it did not. It just didn't look like the same team. Very much so. I mean, it, it was twenty-five to three until that touchdown plus two-point conversion by mm-hmm. the Bucks late in the game when the Eagles were clearly, you know, playing a little more conservative and playing a bit off and just trying not yeah. to get beat over the top. Uh, so, but I think the run game is very different because uh, ever since that game that the Bucks had, the run defense has tightened up for them. They have only allowed just 93.6 yards per game, and they currently rank tied mm-hmm. for the fourth fewest rushing yards per attempt in the league at 3.8, so I think their run defense has gotten mm-hmm. better. I should also um, note that um, the Bucks had some like defensive injuries in that game as well. Uh, like Vita Vea played in his third. He, he entered the game banged up. He played like his third lowest snap count of the year in that game, so he clearly didn't mm-hmm. seem to be like full force of what he is now more so seems to be so that also factored in there um Devin White was banged up where we saw him have that inter he had that interception yeah. and I probably could, and he couldn't he run is a pick six he just ran out of, he bounds. Just ran out of bounds it was like <laughs> yeah. wait what's going on with that yeah so that's a factor certainly they're also missing um Carlton Davis which is significant and Jamal Sure, starting corner. Yes, and Jamal Dean also got hurt in that game, so they they were out both uh-huh. starting cornerbacks at one point during the game. Uh, they also did not have Kalijah Cansey, another factor in the run game. Mm-hmm. I think certainly, um, he's had, he's had a good rookie yes. season. Uh, so I just wanted to note all that. But anyway, uh, so that kind of just talks about why the Bucks have been getting better a bit. I think at stopping the run since that game. And on the flip- a, by the way, is like the exact kind of like nose tackle, just a huge guy that has traditionally given Jason Kelsey problems mm-hmm. like a Dexter Lawrence type player, Linval Joseph back in the day when he played for the Giants. Eddie Goldman. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, those huge guys just give him trouble more so than, uh, you know, the faster, more elusive uh, defensive tackles. In the Bucks' first 10 games, the average is 76.9 rushing yards. And in the last seven games, they're up to 105.7. So, you know, not mm-hmm. amazing still, but better. Certainly they've been better in that regard. And the Eagles run defense, meanwhile, around the same time here, picking like the same kind of time frame, doesn't line up evenly because the Eagles had a week 10 by, the Bucks didn't. But in the Eagles pre-by uh, existence of their team, the first nine games, to me, they were allowing just 66.3 rushing yards per game. Yeah. Since the bye, do you know how many rushing yards per game they have allowed? I do, because uh, it was in my thing. It's one... 145.1 so more than yeah. double of what they allowed before the bye week they so that's the thing like i know like it's like oh the bucks can't really run the ball i mean i think almost anyone can run the ball against the eagles right now or at least comparatively to where they were earlier in the year so 
I think that's a first nine games. uh, Not one team gained. uh, I'm sorry. One team gained a hundred or more yards against them. It was commanders week four. And it was only one Oh seven. And then their last eight games, all eight of those opponents ran for at least 100 yards against them. And, and of course, and, and and the Cardinals ran for 221 yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. So, like, you know, they, they've their run defense has kind of fallen apart. It, it's felt that way, too. I mean, really, even I know the numbers go back to the bye, but even like in that Chiefs game, Isaiah Pacheco, like the Chiefs are just like yeah. running and having their way with the Eagles run defense in a way we just didn't see earlier in the year and haven't seen mm-hmm. for a bit. Niners, so. of course. Did yep. whatever they wanted in the run game. Yeah. So Cowboys, I think that's a, Cowboys who haven't run the ball well, they ran they ran for 138 against that's them right. too. I think that's a big, big time difference from the last game. I think the Bucks have gotten better, not great at it, but they've been better at the run. They're going up against the Eagles run defense that has gotten way worse. And I think the Eagles have is obviously are not I the Eagles can still run the ball, I think, at some level, but I think it's gonna be tougher to do it against the Bucks uh than it was the last time. Yeah, the Bucks, I mean last two years so both in 2022 and 2023 they were last in the nfl in both yards per carry and yards rushing yards per game so i mean they don't want to run the ball like because they can't normally but they probably will (laughs) to some degree more than they normally do against this eagles defense that hasn't been able to stop it um but i mean they're they're at at their core their their offense is going to be built around getting the ball to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, of course. Um, and as I mentioned, Rashad White, which against these Eagles linebackers, I mean, there's another guy too. It's not even just Rashad White. So they have a tight end, Kate Otten, who was a rookie last year, was a fourth-round pick, and he's kind of come on for them over the last you know half of the season. So in uh, their last nine games, he has six receptions of 20-plus yards, which just to put that into you know context – Dallas Goddard has same number of 20 plus yard catches six uh, over the entire season this year. So um, he's a guy that's come along and the Eagles have shown over these, you know, ever since Matt Patricia took over that their linebackers are just completely lost uh, in coverage, especially. And I mean, this is a tough, that's a tough duo to kind of defend, like kind of two under the radar names in Rashad White and Kate Otten, but those guys can, can do damage. Um, if you got if you don't have guys that can cover them, <laughs> it doesn't appear that the Eagles do. Yeah, I would say it's. A, I mean, just there's what level of faith can you have in this Eagles defense? There's just <laughs> right. none. You can't. I mean, I'm not trying to be only negative. I'm uh, part of the. I think point we're trying to look at the positives too, but the positives lie on the offensive side of the ball, if at all. There's just nothing from the defense that I think you can reasonably feel great about, other than. The Bucks maybe not looking amazing just because again Baker's banged up. I like I, that Panthers game is stuck in my head because I watched that game last week. The Bucks and the Panthers, you know, Bucks needing that win to win the division, and they they just couldn't they couldn't put away the Panthers. They yeah, nine and they got lucky because like the Panthers had a long touchdown run that yep. got called back on a penalty. So I mean, it, it, the nine nothing. But I mean. That doesn't sound impressive at all. I mean, the shutout's nice, <laughs> but you know it's against the Panthers. But shutouts, shutouts, a shutout in the NFL. It's hard to do, but not as impressive. I mean, even like winning by nine, not as impressive as as even that looked. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it's hard to. It's like weird to say that a nine zero game was closer than it looked, but it was. It was a yeah. lot closer than that game looked. The Bucks easily could have lose that game to a Panthers team that is incredibly just lifeless and 
awful and literally the worst team in the NFL. So uh, what else about this matchup stands out to you, Jimmy? Well, the one thing I will say about the Eagles defense and the, the return of Slay, not everyone, a lot of Eagles fans, you know, don't love Darius Slay, but he's going to make a big difference mm-hmm. in this game compared to, you know, what they've rolling, what they've been rolling out the last few weeks. I think he's obviously a, a big upgrade um, over anyone on the roster at, at cornerback but especially James Bradbury, who's had a really tough season after you know a great season in 2022. Uh, Keely Ringo has been up and down uh, as a rookie. Probably should have gotten him more snaps earlier in the season so he'd be more prepared for this kind of moment going forward. Uh, but it'll be I, I imagine they're not going to bench Bradbury for this game. It'll probably be Slay and Bradbury starting with, you know as, as you mentioned, if Avante Maddox plays safety, it'll be Bradley Roby in the slot. If, it, if they don't do that, if Tristan McCollum or, or if Reed Blankenship can play, um, and Avante's in the slot, then, you know, that's how it'll be. But I, I do think that the, the return of Slay is, you know, maybe a little undersold mm. um, looking into this game. He's been, you know, he's had plenty of time to rest. That's another one, by the way. We didn't mention uh, him when we mentioned, like, they they rested Fletcher Cox. That's a guy that probably, I mean, that was his fourth game out. So when he originally got his knee scoped, if they knew he was going to be out four games, they'd have put him on IR because they could have used that roster spot, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his return theoretically should have been within, you know, three games <laughs> seeing as they didn't put him on IR. And it seemed like he probably could have gone, but they held him out to give him a little more rest before the playoffs. So again, half measure in, in terms of, mm. you know, playing starters or not uh, against the Giants, but he'll, he'll be well rested and uh, ready to go for this game. What I look at in this game is can the pass rush show up? Because it has not <laughs> in a very long time. And it's just crazy what they're asking Hassan Reddick to do, yep. dropping into coverage as much as he has. Dan Orlovsky pointed out, um, you know, really hammered the Eagles for first play of the game. The uh, Giants, you know, they they went to the you know the two by two look that we mentioned in the last uh, in, in the last podcast, where there's two tight ends on the one side, two receivers on the other, and they easily just got Reddick to drop out of his pass rush stance into coverage. And they exploited them. Like it's just, it's just crazy how predictable both the offense and the defense uh, have become on this Eagles team, and just that they're not putting guys in the best position to to make plays. Which uh, at least Sean Desai was doing that. We didn't see much of Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage when it was Sean Desai. We didn't see that, uh, you know, in 2022 when Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator. We saw Hassan Reddick doing what he's supposed to do, which is go after the passer. So there's that. You know, I think the the weakness of this Buccaneers offensive line is up the middle. It's, you know, the center, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Ryan Jensen out for the year. Um, he got hurt in, in August and his career is probably over. Robert mm-hmm. Hainsey is filled in there uh, at left guard. Uh, Matt Aaron Filer, Stinney? I think. No, they benched Matt Filer. Filer was, Filer got well, hurt. He, was, he was originally their starter right. and then he got benched. And now it's Aaron Stinney in mm-hmm. there. And then at Just right guard. Right, they're all just guys. Like they're all below average starters mm-hmm. on the interior. But at right guard, it's uh, it's Cody Mock who might be good eventually. He's a rookie second round pick for them this year, so he may grow into a good guard at some point. But he was just not very good this year. Tackles are fine. I mean, Tristan Wirfs is obviously mm-hmm. one of the best tackles in the NFL, and uh, Luke Gotticky, who was a guard for them originally, kicked out to right tackle. And he kind of surprisingly had a decent year mm-hmm. uh, at right tackle. So they're okay on the edges, but on the interior, which, oh, by the way, we haven't seen these young guys. I think early in the year, we both agree, like, they're, the interior of the Eagles defensive line was looking like a major strength. Yes. Deion Carter was crushing it. 
Jordan Davis was playing really well early, early in the season. Milton Williams is making plays. Fletcher Cox is, you know, we've mentioned kind of all year. He's had a good year. A lot of those guys have kind of disappeared over the back half of the season, notably the younger guys. And this is a game where they have to step up and uh, make some plays against, you know, one of the weaknesses of this Bucks roster because we just haven't seen much from those guys at all in the back half of the year. Jordan Davis doesn't have a sack or quarterback hit since week seven, and he doesn't Ooh. have a tackle for loss since week two. So Ooh. not not good. good. Uh, I think Jill I didn't Carter... know that. Hasn't had a tackle for loss since week two. Yeah, I had not seen that. That's a that's a good pull by you. That's, well, that's not good. I put it in my snap count post every week <laughs> because <laughs> like the streak continues. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not good. I will say about Cody Mock. He entered the Eagles Bucks Week Three game with an injury. He ended up playing. I think he was questionable. He had like one of his worst graded games of the season which makes sense considering he was going up against that Eagles more fearsome and defensive interior at the time. But also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's fair to say he was probably hampered by injury. So again, that's another player who's healthier now, at least in theory. So you might get a better version of them. Um, looking at some of the other changes from the first matchup, I will mention that the Eagles have former Buccaneer Julio Jones, who's the only, I think, Bucks player to score a touchdown against the Cowboys last year. Yeah, made a great play. Actually, actually had a really good game in the playoffs against uh, the Cowboys. Like one of the rare Bucks players to show up right uh, in that playoff game last year, and his touchdown catch was really nice. Like the left back, left corner of the end zone, like got both feet in. Um, I hadn't hadn't done much that season up until then, but turns it on in the playoffs. Great, great playoff game out of nowhere. So man, some hope, maybe. <laughs> They're going to have to get something out of them. Except against the Eagles. Uh, you mentioned the Aaron Stinney thing already. I think the big one of the bigger changes on like the depth chart for either of these teams is Yaya Diaby, uh, the rookie for the Bucks coming on here. He's developed into a really good starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in the season, he was behind the depth chart, uh, or he was behind Joe Tryon on the depth chart. And now he's taken over as a starter. He has seven and a half sacks and 11 TFLs in his last 11 games. So like, those are like really you know strong especially for a rookie those are really strong numbers uh and i think that's definitely like that's a guy who was going to have a way bigger impact or could have a way bigger impact than he did in that first game yeah he's uh like um he's one of those spider chart freaks where he like his measurables are are outstanding i think it was a third round pick maybe um is it louisville he came out of doesn't matter who cares uh, but he led their he led their team in sacks. Uh, Seven point five sacks for you know for a guy to lead the team in sacks isn't a very high number. But on the season, that Bucks pass rush had forty eight sacks, so they got like a lot of contri- a lot of contributions from a lot of different players, and that's kind of emblematic of a team that likes to blitz a lot. I think uh, Antoine Winfield, their safety, actually had six sacks on the season, mm. and he's probably their best player on their roster. Period. Like he's awesome. Um, you know, I had over hundred tackles, had six sacks. Uh, I think he had six forced fumbles. Wow. Three yeah, you're right. He did. That's like, that's a crazy number. And he didn't make the pro bowl. That guy didn't make the pro bowl. We're all pro. Guy, it's like, uh, that's like exhibit. He didn't make all pro either. I didn't see that. I, I'm but pretty that's sure like he did a for like, you know, just get rid of the pro bowl. <laughs> that, guy, that guy didn't make the pro bowl. Well, they kind of did anyway. <laughs> it's, it's crazy that, uh, you know, the, the, the year that he had and not getting the reckon the the recognition uh for the year that he had. But that's the guy that I think like pre snap, you gotta know where he is at any like on every play. 
because they move him around a ton and they just you know, they they use him in so many different ways. He's just you know a really really good player. But by sacks they had they had four guys that had at least five. So Diaby at seven and a half, Winfield at six, Vita Vea had five and a half, which is a pretty big number for you know like your traditional just super you know ginormous nose tackle that is clogging up the run game. Five and a half sacks is good for that kind of guy. Try on, try on, excuse me, Joe, try on Troyanka, who you mentioned at five. And then Levante David and, and Shaquille Barrett each had four and a half. Shaquille Barrett has had huge seasons for them in the past, like approached 20 sacks, I think in at least one season uh, in the past. So that's a guy that they got to, you know, doesn't have big numbers this year, but it's a player that you certainly have to, you know, give, give some added attention to, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like, uh, I mean, I remember back in, the, in that game week three, Bucks pass rush did nothing. Uh, against the Eagles in that game, but yeah. I, I think uh, that's another thing that could change in this game. In that, better than they were week three this year. Also, you have to worry about the blitz. I mean, there's not really much new to say there, but the fact that the Eagles seemingly cannot have an answer for that. Yeah, I mean, there's no mystery to like what the Giants were going to do last last week. Like they're going to blitz the Wink Martindale is going to blitz the Eagles like crazy. And like they had just played the Giants two weeks prior. Like, how did they not know what the game plan was going to be? And they they had nothing. Yeah. They had nothing for it. And and the Giants, I think, were the second most blitz heavy defense in the NFL heading into that game. Only team ahead of them was the Vikings. And then number three is the Bucks. And, you know, Todd Bowles, you know, loves to blitz. He hangs his hat on playing good run defense. And then getting you know opposing offenses into long downs and distances, and then he he sends the house uh, against opposing quarterbacks. And you know he's had good game plans against Jalen Hurts in the past. You know as we've mentioned extensively in the podcast mm-hmm. before, in that playoff game in 2021, he made sure that if Jalen Hurts was bailing from the pocket, he had to do, he had to go to his left. Mm-hmm. And he also wanted to make sure in that game that he took away whatever whatever the first whatever whatever was happening on the right side of the Eagles field offensively he wanted to take that away as the first look he wanted to make sure that Jalen Hurts tried to beat him in the middle of the field and to the left side of the field he wanted to keep him in the pocket and if he escaped the pocket make sure he goes to the left that was the basic game plan that they had and it worked beautifully for the Buccaneers Jalen Hurts different player now than he was then but you can be sure as shit that he's going to have a good game plan for Jalen Hurts in this matchup going forward well it was also at that time you know the Eagles had reinvented themselves during that 2021 season as we know and really leaned into the running game in the second half so a lot of the focus too was also like hey we're not going to let them run on like if they're going to have a big day passing like that's you know we'll we'll make the they forced the game to be on Jalen Hurts' arm they weren't going to allow the Eagles to run the ball I think it's going to be kind of a similar thing here because I think the Eagles best way to get going in this one is to ride DeAndre Swift again and try to get the run game going but I think the Bucks should be kind of trying to sell that out and forcing you to win through the air when you're down AJ Brown and you're trying to you still have Devontae Smith but you have otherwise beyond that or behind that not the most inspiring confidence inspiring options there so I expect similar kind of strategy basically I mean one of the holes in that though is they do give up a ton of big plays in the passing game so they gave up I think it was 60 I have it here they they gave up 65 pass plays of 20 plus yards which is a huge that's just a huge number and they're kind of the opposite of you know sort of the way NFL defenses have sort of trended over the last few years like the Vic Fangio style defenses where 
you're just trying to not give up the big play. This is the total opposite of that. They're trying to force the issue by blitzing mm-hmm. and creating turnovers and creating sacks and you know getting getting stops that way. But they are susceptible to big plays in the back end, which again, they're all going to be all the more encouraged to just blitz more with AJ Brown not playing in this game because mm-hmm. like that's you know their biggest big play receiver that they have, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe this is a, a game where Quez Watkins can finally show up when they <laughs> when they you know when they go his way. Uh, certainly Devonte Smith is, is, uh, capable of making big plays down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Julio Jones, maybe not so much these days. Uh, but I mean, you know, they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to pop a big one down the field at some point, which kind of to their detriment, they've tried to rely on the big play too much this season. They've gotten some, but again, probably, uh, would have been better served to use all, you know, areas of the field more than they did, uh, this season. But, uh, I imagine their game plan is going to be trying to hit big plays, trying to hit explosive plays in this game, which again, to their detriment recently, but against this Bucks defense, they are, they are at least this defense is susceptible to it. Uh, any other thoughts on the matchup? Um, yeah, I mean, just the Bucks pasty overall isn't great. So passing yards allowed per game, they're 29th, uh, completion percentage, 66% is 22nd, uh, posing, you know, yards per pass. They're 25th. Uh, first downs per game through the air, 30th. Uh, so they you can throw on this team. And when you look at that and the division they play in, it's even it feels even worse because you're playing Desmond Ritter twice. Mm-hmm. You're playing Derek Carr twice. You're playing Bryce Young twice. You're playing all these bad teams in your own division. And to be that bad uh, against the pass uh, all season, not great. So I think like Eagles fans are going to be looking for the Eagles to run the crap out of the ball as they've kind of been, you know, subsection of the fan base has been begging for, for the, you know, since, since the back half of the season, I don't know if we're going to see that. I think mm. the Eagles are going to look at this Bucks defense and say, we're, we can beat this team through the air, even without AJ Brown. And I think you're going to see a lot of very frustrated Eagles fans um, watching the Eagles try to throw on this Bucks team <laughs> when they don't have any answers for the blitz. Cause you know what I you know you know what I think about the, the Eagles not having answers for the blitz is by the way mm. like so you and I and all the fans and you know anyone that you know all the 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 NFL tape Twitter and anyone that like can has eyes and can watch a football game and have any kind of understanding can see that the Eagles have been terrible against the blitz. I don't think the Eagles think that they are that they don't have answers for the blitz. Mm. I think they think that they do have answers for the blitz, but. It, you know, just this went wrong against this team that went wrong against that team. And we're just, so we're so close to hitting on big plays and blah, 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 blah. I don't think they are, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, you know, the, the hype video where they did have sort of some self-awareness of, of, of what they were as a team heading into the playoffs. I don't think they have self-awareness in terms of their schemes, both offensively and defensively, specifically, specifically offensively against the blitz. I feel like they think that they can beat the blitz, even though they haven't in a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's encouraging. Okay, let's take a break here. <laughs> Do you agree with that, by the way? I don't think it's wrong. I think I think it's a multifaceted issue, to be clear. I think, again, when you have a quarterback who holds the ball longer than almost any other quarterback in the mm-hmm. league, that's an issue. It's like, just think about it. Like, from a standpoint of you're giving the defense more time to get to you when you hold the ball longer, right? Like, at a very simple level. So I think that's absolutely part of it. Now, obviously, you can be like, well, part of the reason he's not getting the ball quicker is because he doesn't have the options to get out quicker. Sure, that's part of it. At the same time, there's a track record of this quarterback holding the ball long time each year. It's just kind of 
as it's part of his game. It's that's also what he likes right. to do at some level. So that's again, that's baked in at some level. I think the coaching staff is certainly part of it. I don't think they're doing it's it's impossible to say the coaching staff is doing everything they possibly can to help the players get better across the board as it relates to Jalen Hurts included in that. So I think it's multiple things. But if you're looking for like a high level reason like you're talking about, can't really disagree with that. Because I also think that's a problem elsewhere too, not just as the blitz. It's just I think there is this idea um, I mean, you even saw it in Nick Sirianni's press conference this week when he's talking about how they like rank top 10 or whatever in these certain categories. Like there's there's a level of, um, I don't want to say like terrible hubris, like the most hubris I've ever seen, but there's a level, I think, of that. Okay. Okay. I would agree with that. Let's take a break here, but not before we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. 856-906-9295 is where you can find Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Voted on by God is the best realtor in the history of the universe, as you all very well know. Give her a call or send her a text. Your property, if you own your home or whatever, has probably skyrocketed in value. Whoa. You probably already know that, but uh, if you don't, I'm sure it, it very likely has. So if you even just wanted to get sort of, um, an idea of what it would sell for, if you put it on the market, uh, Kristen Roach can give you a home analysis, give you an idea of, you know, what it would sell for if you put it on the market and, uh, no charge for that. Of course, we would just ask that you use her if you did eventually put it on the market. Thanks. Uh, but again, 856-906-9295 is where you can find her. Thank after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Jimmy, we're back here on BGN Radio for potentially our last Eagles preview show of the 2023 season. We'll see what we pick for the Eagles game. But before we get to that game, I want to mention DraftKings Sportsbook. Also, obviously, a sponsor of BGN Radio. And you can check out our Eagles same-game parlay that we will be offering. Uh, tweeting out day of the game have not yet decided but you can check out the bleeding green nation twitter account at bleeding green to see what that parlay is and get on the action you can actually find that parlay in the app so you can just look on it there and, and join if you would like to make a bet but i figured jimmy why don't we go through all six playoff games i don't want to go long on the okay. afc ones because whatever that is important let's stick to one sentence yeah. on the afc games you can you can say one sentence about the game um, and okay. I'm, I'm going to go in chronological order here, starting with, as we're recording today on Saturday, the, the Browns-Texans game. My pick is Browns. I want them to win the Super Bowl, and I think they're going to make a playoff run. Oh, I can't get behind them winning the Super Bowl. With, you know, I said I want them Watson. to, but I, I think they're going to make a run. Anyway, I'm <laughs> going beyond a sentence. What's your sentence? CJ Stroud, fun rookie season. Jim Schwartz's defense has been awesome, though, and... Texans have a bunch of guys on on their injury report. Give me Jimmy Schwartz. Dolphins, Chiefs, Chiefs in the freezing cold, five-point favorites. I'm going to say Chiefs win to further contribute to 
first time playoff starter. Lack of success not going well for Tua Tungavailoa. It's not really a good sentence, but I'm picking the Chiefs. <laughs> Wait, what are you saying? He's like a neophyte uh, yeah, he playoff quarterback? Yeah, he didn't play in the game last year because it was Skylar Thompson. Right. So, yeah. Same with CJ Stroud. Yep. Same with Mason Rudolph. Yep. And there's a fourth guy who hasn't played many games, too. Um, we'll probably, we'll get to that. Uh, Jordan Love. Um, yeah, so Jordan Love. Give me the Chiefs. They rested starters week 18. Uh, I just trust Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid more than I trust this Dolphins team that yep. lost their last two. They the AFCs wrapped up and they just lost their last two games. And now they're the five seed. And as you mentioned, the cold. I think the Chiefs are a pretty easy pick here. We do you think the Steelers will cover against the Bills? I'm doubting anyone's taking the Steelers to win. So it's a matter of Yeah. Well, that's gonna be an awful weather game as well. I mean, it might be like a blizzard, blizzard conditions mm-hmm. in that game, which I'm looking forward to watching that game. But uh, and I think like when you have awful weather like that, it's an equalizer. It's a mm-hmm. it's a good thing for the underdog. And certainly the Steelers are, you know, they're 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 used to playing in the cold too. But I don't think we need to overthink this one too much. Josh Allen is just a far, far better quarterback, obviously, than Mason Rudolph. The Bills are, you know, playing like one of the best teams in the NFL uh, down the stretch. And the Steelers are just, they just are what they are. Um, So I think the Bills, you don't have to overthink it, take the Bills. But, you know, who knows? Like weird things happen in in those really bad weather games. I like the points. The Bills will win, but I like the points between the weather and Tomlin. I just, I I think the, the Steelers will muck it up and make it a game. Bills win. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're in the NFC, and obviously this will have some level of impact potentially on how things go for the Eagles if they end up do beating the Bucks and advancing. But first, we start with the Sunday 4.30 game. The Green Bay Packers are in Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. The Cowboys are seven-point home favorites. Who do you have? Yeah, I mean, the Packers are the youngest team in the NFL, or at least they were when uh, I calculated all their ages at the end of the, you know, after 53-man cutdowns. Um, and they got to feel probably pretty good about their season because Jordan Love, I think, showed enough yeah. where they can they can look at him and go, okay, well, maybe that guy is our long-term answer at quarterback. And their other guys played well enough where, you know, they made the playoffs, of course. And they've had some really good games where, especially offensively, Thanksgiving, for example, in Detroit, they looked awesome in that game. They've had other games where they've looked like crap. So, like, you know, they're kind of like inconsistent. But right now, like being in the playoffs, they're kind of playing with house money. So they, you know, maybe they're a little dangerous. But ultimately, you got a young team like this. You got a quarterback playing his first playoff game. And you have this Dallas team that is playoff experienced. And they tend to, you know, take care of these kinds of teams. Uh, in the playoffs, I don't know how well they'll fare in the divisional round with whoever they have to face then. But for now, I think the Cowboys are a pretty easy pick over this Packers team. And I, I think it could get ugly. I think that I think the Cowboys could actually, you know, kind of put it on this Packers team. I think the Packers will make it a game for a bit. And then, yeah, the Cowboys will ultimately pull away because, mm-hmm. like you just said, the youngest team, they just don't have that. They're not there yet. They're not clearly not there yet. The Cowboys are there. They've been dominant at home. How could you possibly pick? This isn't the spot. I know, like, the Cowboys choke in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. That's not this spot to me. That's, again, yeah, that could be the division round. Next week. That's not this. <laughs> yeah. the, the matchup is not that. And it's not even, I think the Packers are terrible. I just don't think it's that. They they just have the juice. Uh, in, their, in the phase of the team that they are, they're just not ready for this. So maybe they cover. Maybe. I don't think so, though. I think the Cowboys win. I think the Cowboys cover. They've been dominant at home. Seems like a pretty obvious and easy bet to me 
that brings us to so we both think the uh, Cowboys are going to win. So therefore, yeah, I got them winning and covering. They're the two seed. Uh, okay, it's worth noting that for tracking our projected purposes here. Uh, Rams, Lions in Detroit. Lions are standard three point home favorites. I'll go first this time. I just I know the Rams have been playing well. I don't have something to really hold against the Rams, but the Lions have also been playing well. And I feel like their story is not, and I know this is dangerous for a team that hasn't won in the playoffs since January 1992, but I just feel like they're not losing this game. I feel like the story of the Lions this year is not a team that goes one and done in the playoffs. I don't think that. I think that Jared Goff, it's the Rens game for him going up against the team that dumped him. And I think that's something that will resonate with his teammates in that team as a mm-hmm. whole. And I think it's going to be a really good game. I love the over my over or the over in this game is my pick for the SB nation NFL show, same game parlay that you can also check out in DraftKings Sportsbook. I think it's gonna be a high scoring game in that dome. The Rams offense is obviously going to have success against the lions defense that has been susceptible to allowing yards and points through the air. But ultimately Lions run defense has been good. I think they shut down the Rams rushing attack. And I think the Lions win for the first time in my friend uh, Alex's, who's a long, uh, long time suffering Detroit Lions fan in his life, basically, when I mean, he was born in 91, but um, certainly was not old enough to witness that last Lions playoff win. So I'm going to take the Lions here. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at like the NFL playoff win droughts lions are tops on that list 32 years uh, dolphins actually have a they're number two they have a chance to break theirs mm. as well uh, theirs is 23 years raiders at 21 commanders at 18 the commanders aren't that far away from having the longest playoff win drought uh in in you know current nfl history or whatever um i got the rams in this game yeah. i think the rams just they're they're skill position players are awesome like like puka nakua just had a tremendous rookie season uh cooper cup basically won the rams the super bowl that wasn't long ago it was two years ago they won the, the rams won the super bowl and cooper cup was a monster reason why kyron williams won me a fantasy football league <laughs> he was outstanding this year they actually have a run game all of a sudden the, the rams with with mm-hmm. kyron williams uh in addition to their really two uh good wide receivers and that Lions secondary just has not been very good this year. That's kind of been their Achilles heel uh, on the season. I think it's going to be a shootout. And I will say this, that stadium is going to be out of control. Like those fans are going to be extremely loud. Yeah. And they're going to like, I mean, that that's going to be kind of like what I think people are talking about, um, like all over Twitter, like how crazy their fans are in that game. Cause, cause it's been so long yeah. that they've, that they've done anything. So that kind of goes against my pick here, but ultimately I think the Rams are, are going to figure out how to gash this Lions defense and they win in a shootout. Wow. Devastating for the Lions fans. Okay. But then you have the Rams winning. Therefore that means if the Eagles win, you would have the Eagles playing the Cowboys in right. Dallas, because then you would have the Rams taking on the 49ers in San Francisco in the divisional round, assuming, you know, well, the winner, it doesn't matter. The winner, you have the winner of the Eagles-Bucks game in your scenario where I have the 
what do I have? I have the winner of the Eagles Buccaneers playing the 49ers and you have right there. There are four potential Eagles opponents in the divisional round. If should they advance the 49ers? And this is also probably in order of likelihood 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, and then actually a home game against the Rams of so the Rams and the Packers both won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the Eagles are get a home game against the Rams, which would be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly unlikely for that to happen, obviously. Uh, but yeah, in your scenario with the Cowboys and the Lions both winning, the Eagles would go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. F FML for me on that one. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, ultimately, if like if the Cowboys lose, then the Eagles avoid both the 49ers and the Cowboys, of course, because mm-hmm. they'll be eliminated. Um, that's the best case scenario for the Eagles watching these games on Sunday. And of course, just for your own enjoyment, watching the Cowboys lose. Of course, of course. Uh, but like the Eagles also benefit in a big way if the Cowboys lose on Sunday. That brings us to the game of the week: the Eagles <laughs> for, for for only fans of two teams right, yeah, yeah. and nobody else. Oh yes, very tongue in cheek <laughs> as I said that. The Eagles are with this is obviously like up to date relative to the AJ Brown news. The Eagles are. Two and a half point favorites. I don't know. Down a half. Only down a half point. Two and a half point it? favorites on the this Eagles team that is one in five in their last six games and has played like crap extremely recently and is going up against a Bucks team that is five and one in their last six in Tampa. They're two and a half point road favorites. Uh, I have some of the betting numbers for you, like the the percentage of bets placed, Jimmy, fifty eight percent. Of the uh what's it called? The public is on the, the betting public. Yeah. Eagles money line. Same in percent. Mm-hmm. 58% is on Eagles minus two and a half. So who do you really? have? It's weird. <laughs> I mean, all season long it felt like whoever is gonna win that division, whether it was the Bucks, Falcons, Saints, like there was gonna be nothing more than a speed bump for whichever the Cowboys and Eagles didn't win the NFC East. And now not so much. And like, you look at like, just who has the better players at each position. And I think emphatically it's the Eagles, like quarterback, the Eagles are better running backs. The Eagles are better before the AJ Brown went out. Wide receivers are better. I think the bucks have the edge there now tight end Eagles, offensive line, Eagles, pass rush Eagles. Again, this is all on paper, but like schematically, the Eagles are just a freaking disaster. Like offensively, no answers to the blitz against a team that is super blitz heavy. Defense, just disaster across the board. The guys don't know their assignments. Defensive coordinator isn't putting his players in the position to succeed. The Bucs just aren't a very good football team, but at least they are organized and seem to know what they're doing. I'll take the Bucs. I mean, I can't pick the Eagles after after the way they've looked. These last, you know, six games, but especially their last two. I mean, I don't see how they win a football game right now. Give me the Bucks. Eagles vibes are awful. They're terrible. This is like the, some of the worst vibes you could have entering a playoff game, right? Fair to say, has to be there. It has to be yeah. all time like bad vibe, kind of entering the playoffs game. It's not totally unheard of, unprecedented. I remember when the Cardinals made it a few years ago. They like backslid into the playoffs. I think kind of similarly mm-hmm. to the Eagles, like choked away the division. And ended up as a wild yeah. card. I think they lost to the Rams. Yeah, their asses kicked. If I, if, yeah. 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 I think they lost by like 20 to the Rams. So it yeah. does happen. I'm not saying it never happens, but man, it usually 
doesn't happen. It's not common. And I, yeah, I have no confidence at all. None. I have zero confidence in the Eagles being able to win this game. That being said, I'm picking them to win because really, well, here's the thing. The Bucks are also really not good. They're not good. They're not good. I watched that. I can't get the Panthers game out of my mind. I watched them. And then before that, they lost to the Saints the week before and only put up what? Like 14 points or something like like this. yeah and they, if they had won they win the division so they had they yeah. had plenty to they, they had plenty of motivation to play and could game. have rested their starters in week 18 and then the, then yeah. baker might not be hurt as hurt as he is right. like so it's a big deal and I, I like todd bowles as a defensive mind but he's kind of lacking as a head coach when it comes to like game management and stuff at times sure. so sure. i don't really think even as much as i don't love the eagles coaching right now that todd bowles is this amazing i think todd bowles is a great schemer relative uh, he's a better schemer than he is like a coach i guess or yes. you know strategic strategy strat, what's the word i'm looking for strat strategery strategery <laughs> yes that's it he has good strategery he's he's he does not have good strategies but uh, i like his schemes <clears throat> and you know i think the motivation factor is there for him so that's not a problem but yeah i mean the bucks are outside of baker healthy but that's a big deal the quarterback not being healthy and certainly the Eagles quarterback is banged up but I just saw Baker missing like a lot of throws there are a lot of throws that were there to be made against the Panthers and the ball was just not even close it was like Carson Wentz at his worst level of overthrow inaccurate WTF kind of throw so that's <laughs> right. been kind of like, like a running back in the flat just sails it way over his yes head. <laughs> that's kind of been seared into my brain that it's quite possible that the Eagles don't even play well defensively it's actually not just possible it's incredibly probable but it might not matter if the quarterback on the other team can't actually put the ball at all where it needs to be so um and also I'm gonna be honest I don't want the Eagles to win this game because I mean if they turn the corner sure Ooh. I don't because I just like I'm okay i said it in the i think the the podcast earlier this week it's not fun i'm not having fun watching this game no one's having fun watching these games they're miserable <laughs> they suck so much i think that's like, actually a common sentiment yeah. that i've seen on twitter it's a giant is, is, waste is exactly of time i don't want to waste my time with another game next week where they go to san francisco like i have them in my situation and then they just get their doors blown off like what's worse what's worse than getting blown out by the 49ers once this year getting blown out twice uh so <laughs> right. i just don't really I, I conceptually i would love for them to turn it around and flip the switch and be amazing sure i'm not saying i don't want that but that's i just don't really see that being realistic and I, i'm acknowledging the reality of the situation and i think it's quite possible that losing this game could potentially force the eagles to take a more sober view we talked about how uh you know they're they might not be being totally honest with themselves when it comes to the offense and handling the blitz and everything Mm -hmm. maybe losing this game when your favorites on the road against a team that's not that great kind of forces them to take a more honest look at everything going on and make some decisions that could ultimately be in the best interest of the franchise long term now i say that i realize that it's also uh it's a heavy thing in terms of this could be Jason Kelsey's last game. This could be Fletcher Cox's last game with the Eagles. This could be Lane Johnson's last game with the Eagles. This could be Brandon Graham's last game with the Eagles. So mm-hmm. it would be very incredibly sad to see them go out with a whimper. Again, I just don't really think it makes that much of a difference because you win this game, you lose the next week probably anyway. Um, so I'm going to take the Eagles. Does Nick Sirianni keep his job if they lose this game? 
I don't think he should. You talking? You asking me should or will? Will. I lean towards in the likelihood of will that he will stay, but I I don't think he should be back. No, because they're a poorly coached team, and I've been saying this for weeks, and I don't see what he brings to the table. And here I have a quote for you. By the way, just to finish, wrap up my Eagles thing, um, my pick itself. I just feel like they've made everything so miserable and painful recently that it's almost like too easy. If they just lose this game, that's too easy. That's not painful. The most painful thing would be to win this game in unimpressive fashion. Like they've done for a lot of the year. And then right. again, get blown out, have a whole week where you just know they're going to get blown out next week. That would be the most <laughs> right. annoying, frustrating thing. So I'm kind of leaning into what would be the, the worst kind of ending. Uh, that's what I'm, making my pick based on so i'm taking the eagles to win and cover and also everyone else is taking the bucks so i don't know kind of want to be different make a different pick well evidently not given the numbers that you rattled off i mean but, in the uh, eagles sphere uh, well, you mean you mean locally yeah okay. well, eagles sphere that's, you know, that's <laughs> the entire whatever that could be anyone yeah i have this quote for you from nick sirianni uh that jeff mclean shared in his podcast uh uncovering the birds which is really good enjoyed that podcast and he does a lot of uh good episodes on there this is nick sirianni jimmy from september 5th this year or you know this season yeah uh he was talking to jeff mclean about like i guess offensive outlook for 2023 here's the quote so one thing we wanted to do with our team offensively let's say is try to really it's not always about coming up with new plays and new wrinkles and new things like that Sometimes it's just getting better. And a lot of times it's just getting better at your base stuff. And how do you coach it better? And how do you do it better? And off of that, what are some wrinkles off of that? Not necessarily new things, but things that are wrinkles. I guess I would say where I'm going with that is that's the same way I thought about year three. I don't think it's anything new. It's about how do we get better at what we're already doing? So not really the best quote in terms of everyone accusing the offense of not being innovative at all and not doing anything new and not really setting up the players to succeed as much yep. as it's kind of just relying on the talent. And that's not coaching like coaching. I mean, it's ultimately about the players. I get it. But I feel like as a coach, again, basic level, it's about maximizing the talent you have and not just saying, okay, you're the players, you, you know, figure it out or we'll be good enough with the talent alone. Like you need to maximize the talent you have still. And I don't think Sirianni's done that. And I, in fact, worse than that, I don't think he's he's not only not maximized the talent, he's under, I think they're underperforming the talent. Yeah, I mean, that goes kind of, I think that quote kind of is emblematic of, you know, one of the points that we've made on the podcast in the past where, you know, teams obviously studied what they were doing this past mm -hmm. offseason, stole what was working and, you know, made sure they had answers for it or or tried to have answers for it this season particularly for the teams that were going to face them this year. Mm -hmm. And they had better answers for it this year than they did a year ago. And I think that quote is, you know, kind of, kind of explains why mm -hmm. and it, like similar thing happened in the Chip Kelly years, of course, yep. where everything he did was new in 2013 and teams had trouble. A lot of teams really just had no answers for him at all. And then teams started to have answers for it in 2014 and then they all had answers for it in 2015. And then that was the end of him. So I think that, you know, if you're not constantly evolving your offense and your defense in a way where you can stay ahead of your opposition, 
then you're going to fall behind eventually. And that's what they did this year. That falls. That's like a real trap with talent sometimes too. You know, you look at these teams who, you know, they achieve a certain level of success and instead of continuing to build or tweak or whatever, they kind of just like, we just rest on their laurels and figure, well, we can just carry that over. Sorry to say my guy, Dougie P. I think that's kind of what happened with like the Jaguars, for example. It's like, Oh, they made they yeah. won the AFC. So we're doing good, but they didn't really, you know, do a lot to maybe they could have personnel wise to even further put themselves over the top. It's, it's the age old thing. Like if you're staying the same, you're falling behind. So yeah. Um, yes. I think that, but anyway, uh, I, to answer your question, I do think I'm leaning towards Sirianni being back because I think they're going to trot out three straight years in the playoffs. And, uh, he's, he's as the best winning, one of the best winning percentages in the NFL and all of that stuff. And they're mm-hmm. going to try to make They're going to try to make him, you know, change the coordinators and everything. Um, but if it's up to me, I think I've said this before, I'll say it again. It shouldn't be based about what he's done. I don't care what Nick Sirianni has accomplished. I care about what he can accomplish moving forward. And he needs to have a good plan for that. And he needs to be able to articulate what about the Eagles having won a lot under him. He can continue to keep going moving forward or like, you know, emphasize that kind of thing. He has to be able to, to do that and actually prove he can put a good staff together after him or after this year. But I just don't really believe in that at the end of the day, because if it has to be about everything else in terms of getting a new staff and maybe giving having Sirianni have less power, then what's the point of Sirianni? What is he doing here? What is he? What is he? If your argument is like, we need to give Sirianni less power. Well, okay, then why have him? What is he bringing to the table here? What's the answer to your own question? I think another thing that's uh, that's annoyed a lot of the fan base, too, is some of their answers in terms of. Um, a lot of other teams would, would love to be in our position where we're in the playoffs. <laughs> a lot of teams can't say that they're in the playoffs and we can. And that's just an answer that nobody wants to hear because the expectations were so much higher than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and, and, you know, maybe Nick Sirianni, if they, if they lose this game, maybe Nick Sirianni will have good answers on, on how to fix things uh, for Jeffrey Lurie, whenever they have sort of their, you know, exit interview uh, when, whenever the season is over. Maybe he won't. And I'm kind of with you. Like, do you have a, a plan going forward? And mm-hmm. if you don't, again, yeah, I think uh, why why should we keep you around? Of course, as you know, we've mentioned previously, it's not going to be an attractive place to become a head coach because from the outside, I mean, the outside view is going to be, well, they just canned the guy that was in the Super Bowl less than a year ago and, you know, and has made the playoffs three straight years. From the outside view, it's going to look crazy for for some people that that they fired the head coach after that and of course they fired their not fired but they demoted their defensive coordinator in season while they're 10 and 3 they're going to look like you know wild just you know wild cards into <laughs> wild card bitches they're going to look like that like to to some people from the outside and maybe rightfully so and i think it's going to be hard to attract you know kind of top tier coaching talent uh if they do let go of Nick Sirianni so that's another thing to, for for them to consider and uh, ultimately, I think that's why he probably will be back, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't deserve to be. I know you can quote the winning percentage and everything, but like such a tough sell to go one in seven or sorry, one in six. If they lose this game uh, to the Bucks to go to one in six in your last seven games and you can't even beat yeah. the Bucks. Like that's just it's a terrible, like that's such a hard sell to go into next year. Like, what do you 
it's it's going to be hard to be excited like it's a for sure big question i mean people will you know certainly talk themselves into the new coordinators and maybe they make good coordinator hires whatever but still man um what is the percentage? And maybe they sign guys in free agency. Sure. And maybe they have a draft that people sure. like. I mean, there's any number of things that can happen during the offseason where people get excited for the 2024 season. Certainly they will. Right. But I'm with you. I mean, like it's it's, uh, you know, <laughs> if you're if you're just kind of spinning your wheels. Uh, you know, ne- never, never a great look for, uh, you know, an organization that was that was basically Super Bowl or bust. And to be clear here, like I want to make this clear if it's not already. I'm pretty optimistic still about this team's like long term, like beyond this. If 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 Sirianni isn't back, I'm actually pretty optimistic. Depending on or depending, you know, which coach they would hire, um, that I'm optimistic that a new coaching staff could take this group that they have talent wise largely in place and turn that around quickly and have success with that. Because I, I think this group could be way better coached, and that would be that would manifest in better results quickly. I don't think this is this is by contrast. This isn't where I was feeling about legals, you know, in 2020, where things felt a lot more hopeless because you know you're getting rid of Doug. Howie was a big problem post Super Bowl. A lot, of, I think, a lot of bad personnel moves in there. Not to say he hasn't contributed to what's gone wrong with this team recently, but I think you know this is me saying this. Big Howie critic. I don't think he's you know been the near the top problem for this team more recently. So. I have optimism that he can make good moves in the offseason. I have optimism that the Eagles will probably get some positive regression next year in terms of Jalen Hurts' turnovers going down and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I, I, where I struggle is if you just bring Sirianni back and the coaching isn't aggressive and the culture is questionable at best right now and right. you don't have him being a good coach in terms of game management stuff and giving you an edge – then that puts a damper on things for me. It doesn't m- make me feel entirely hopeless because there is enough of a track record of, record of success that, okay, maybe they get back to that. Maybe there was just a bad spell, whatever. They panicked clearly with the Patricia thing. But I think a coaching change to me would be like the biggest point of optimism going into next year. And I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's on the table, and it should be on the table. This is a this is a pathetic all time collapse. Uh, Jimmy, I want to ask you: percentage chance Bill Belichick is the head coach of the Eagles in twenty twenty four? Give me a percentage. Uh, I'd say it's very, very close to zero, mm-hmm. like point zero zero one chance Bill Belichick wow. is the head coach of the Eagles because. Howie isn't going anywhere. Okay. So we all understand that, right? Howie's going nowhere. And Bill Belichick wants full control. He like it's not happening in Philadelphia. He said he he said he he wouldn't need that at a new job. Okay, so there's other reporting that says he would. (laughs) I oh oh one. I'd say point zero zero one is maybe a little uh maybe that's stretching a little. I'll I'll go I'll say I'll say one. I'll I'll say one percent, okay. Uh, but it's not, it's, I mean, it, it's just not a, how he wants nothing to do with Bill Belichick being here and he's going to be around like how he's going nowhere from, I think the roster is fine. Like maybe we overrated the roster a little bit uh, collectively as just this Philadelphia region and nationally as well, maybe overrated this roster. Um, still a very good roster. <laughs> like, let's be honest, like it, they have talent. And uh, I, I put the failings more on 
the coaching staff, obviously, than than anything the front office did. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a dynamic where you're just asking for all kinds of trouble if you bring uh, Bill Belichick in to coach this team. Six point six six percent is my answer. The likelihood okay. that Bill Belichick is the Eagles coach because you think he's Satan. I mean. <laughs> just that's the that's I I crunched the numbers. That's what came up in my calculator. Six point six six percent. Okay, uh, this has been the final potentially, depending on what the Eagles do, BGN Radio preview show of the year. Certainly, we will be back with you, win or lose, to recap this game and potentially more if there is coaching news or whatever is to follow after this. We'll be here either way. So we appreciate you rating, reviewing, subscribing, all those good things, and supporting our sponsors, which, as I like to say often, the podcast is free, which, hey, if you want to enjoy it and it's free and you don't want to pay any money towards it, that's fine. If you really like it and you want to help the lights uh, stay on here, well, it's even better if you help support our sponsors because you also get perks out of that too, so it's kind of a win for everyone involved. You can check all those out in the episode description on whatever podcast app you're using. In addition, you can check out our social media handles where you can tweet at us and talk uh, to us about your thoughts on the show. Okay. Uh, We will be back early. Well, I was going to say early next week. I was like thinking it was like a Sunday game because, you know, it should be or a Saturday game, but unfortunately it's a Monday game. So I guess we'll be back Monday night, Monday night game number 14 on the season for us. Like Tuesday, Wednesday. (laughs) I mean, you're going to be flying back. So like Wednesday ish. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime. After. I'm actually staying out there an extra day. I'm flying back on Wednesday. Oh wow! But maybe I'll bring my rec- maybe I'll bring my recording equipment out there. Yeah, I can I can pot on the road. There we go. Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. P G N. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.